is everybody having a great Christmas so far? Yeah? Everyone have a, anyone have a nice early start for the morning? You woke the kids up, didn't you, Brian? Yeah? yeah, okay. I love the parents who are more excited for Christmas morning than the kids, and they, they get it. Come on, come on, come on, it's Christmas morning. Um, it's beautiful, those of you who have uh, young kids, just um, hearing the kids waking up and uh, just discovering everything. Uh, has anyone gotten any good presents so far? Yeah. Yeah? What'd you get? Oh, a tablet. Nice. What's that? Oh, and a guitar. All right. We'll have to have you up here playing soon. Yeah. That sounds good. Brian's trying to get a replacement here. There we go. That's great. Yeah, any others got a good present you want to share? Not share the present. Just share, share what you got. Right. Oh, nice. Isn't that wonderful? Man, it is great. It's a great time of, um, of presents, isn't it? I mean, we all like getting presents. I know you, you're supposed to kind of say at Christmas, oh, it's not about the presents. But we all like the presents, don't we? We like getting presents, and hopefully, I hope you all get nice presents. Uh, and I hope you, you give nice presents too, because it's an opportunity to, to give back to who uh, mean. Uh, so much to you, and I hope that you've given some thought to those presents. It's a bit late now if you haven't, but uh, um, hopefully you, you give out those presents and they, they mean a lot to people, and it's an opportunity to share that love. Uh, but I'm so glad that you guys have taken the time this morning to stop in the middle of uh, what is normally a, a pretty hectic day and just come to, to worship God, because Christmas is ultimately all about Jesus, isn't it? It's celebrating His birth. And uh, celebrating not only the birth of a baby, but what all Jesus means to us and, and how his love is meant to, to transform us and to challenge us as a church to keep showing that love and grace in every aspect of our life. And so we're going to look at a little different passage than we normally would on a Christmas. You, you kind of think, all right, we're going to hear from, um, from Luke 2 about uh, and there are shepherds abiding in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Or we might hear the story from uh, Isaiah chapter 9 about, For unto us a child is born, or unto us a son is given. I'm going to kind of skip over all the normal uh, Christmas messages. And we're going to actually continue on our series uh, through the letters of John. And we're now to 3 John. So uh, we've been through 1 John, 2 John. So if you haven't read those, you've got a, a little catching up to do. Uh, they're all short books, especially 2 John. It's only one page. 3 John is, is similar to that. It's only uh, one page, just 14 small verses. We're going to work our way through uh, 3 John as our Christmas message this morning as John challenges uh, these early Christians to, to show God's love. And we want to be challenged by that as well. To, um, as a church, we want to be challenged together from this passage to, to live out God's love because this day is all about God's love. And so if you have your copy of the scripture. Go ahead and turn with me to 3 John, uh, 3 John chapter, uh, oh, there's only one chapter, 3 John chapter 1, um, 3 John beginning in, in verse 1. And it says this, the elder, to my dear, dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing 
for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that, they may, uh, may, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing there, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do it with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, that we may talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly God, we thank you and we praise you for the precious gift of your word. We pray, Lord, that you lead us through it now. May your spirit guide us, Lord, that you teach us more of your love and grace and challenge us to live that out in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is a, a short letter, but there's a lot in it, and so we'll kind of uh, jump straight into it, because I know you guys have holiday feasts and things to get to and family to get to, uh, so we'll, we'll work our way through it. Um, this letter, is, as in 1 John and 2 John, these letters are from the Apostle John, uh, who was a friend of Jesus. He calls himself in John's Gospel the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a great relationship with Jesus. He walked with him, talked with him, ministered with him, uh, experienced God's love firsthand through Jesus, and he knows that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the promised one that prophets had foretold for, for hundreds of years before. And he works hard, especially in, in 1 John and in John's Gospel, to show that, that Jesus is that Christ, is the Messiah, is the Savior, who's come to show us God's love and to, to make our way uh, that we might have fellowship with God. And he writes this letter to this man named Gaius. Now, we're not sure who this man Gaius is, uh, the, the word, the name Gaius is mentioned several times in the New Testament. In fact, it seems every time the name Gaius is mentioned in the New Testament, it's actually speaking about a different man. Uh, there were a couple different men named Gaius who accompanied Paul in some of his missionary work. Uh, and in fact, they became leaders in the church. There was a, a Gaius in the, who was a leader of the church at Thessalonica. There's a Gaius who was leader in the church um, in Ephesus. And uh, it was probably the most popular boy's name of uh, the Roman Empire during this time. And so uh, some of you, I, I know some of you are, are, are named people, and you gonna, if you may see a name, you go, oh, Gaius, I've heard that name before. That was, uh, he traveled with Paul. Well, this is probably a different Gaius. It was just a popular name. It's like some of you who just get stuck with whatever was the popular name in the year that you were born. You know, some of you who are parents, you remember looking at baby names, and maybe you you pick your list of baby names, and you look, and uh, now you can use the internet. And you find out what's the most popular baby names the year before, or the year after, and maybe you don't. Maybe you want to use a popular name. Maybe you want to avoid the popular names. Um, I got stuck with a pretty popular 
name, and a pretty boring name, actually. My wife tells me, she goes, why couldn't you, why couldn't I have married someone that had a, not a boring name like this? Mike Jones. That doesn't get it much plainer than that, does it? First name, last name, but I'm just, you're stuck with it. And you guys are stuck with this particular Mike Jones right now, but we're not sure which particular Gaius this was who was uh, leading the church, but what is important is that this man named Gaius was a leader in the church, and he was a man who was very faithful to God. He was consistently trying to follow God and follow Jesus Christ. And so uh, John dedicates the, the first whole bit of his letter, in fact, uh, eight verses, as we have it written out, uh, to honoring Gaius. Because he said, you are a man who walks in the truth. Now, if you remember in 2 John, 2 John was a letter to, uh, to a church about walking in the truth and how we should stick with what Christ teaches and stick with what is honoring to Christ and not listen to other voices that are out there that are not honoring to Christ and that are not following him. And then he says, and Gaius, you are one of those guys who are walking in the truth. You are faithful to God. You are a faithful servant. And word has spread that this man, Gaius, is faithful to God and that his church are being faithful to God. That his church are caring for other missionaries who are going out. Now, again, this is the time of the early church, the very first Christians, and they're starting to spread the good news of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. What a greater time to do that than, than Christmas, to talk about who Jesus is and to, to go out and to be challenged to spread his love. That's what this early church are doing, these early Christians are going out, telling people about Jesus, so they're traveling to different cities. And when they would travel to, uh, to Gaius' city, when they're in his area, he would give them shelter, he would care for them, he would provide for them, and he would make sure that everything was set so they could continue on uh, doing Christ's work. He cared for these strangers who were believers in Jesus. He cared for other Christians. Although he didn't know them, he looked after them, and his church looked after them. They were a church who were faithful to God. They were a church who were caring for other Christians. And word had spread to John's church that this is what's happening at this church. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if... The word that spreads of what's happening at this church is that the people here are faithful to God. The people here are honoring to God. Wouldn't it be great that when people hear of our church or when people hear of the Christian church in general, they hear that, man, that's a group who are faithful to God. They're faithfully following Him. And there are people who love regardless. There are people who break down the barriers and they simply love one another and they lift God up. Verse 6 is they, they should meet the, the burdens, kind of the, the financial burdens, and care for those who are sharing God's love and prepare them for that next uh, leg of the journey. They met each other's burdens. They cared for one another. They were being followers of Christ, not just knowing about Christ, not just singing about Him. And I think this is a time of year where we, we sing about our Savior, we sing about Christ, and we celebrate who He is but this church here was a little different than that. Gaius' church didn't just celebrate who he was. They, they allowed God to transform their lives. And John's point is that being a follower of Jesus, being a follower of Christ, should make a radical impact on how we love each other. Being a follower of Jesus should greatly change the way we see one another and the way that we work with one another. And the world... The world needs the church. They need God's body of believers, but 
They, they need to see us showing God's love toward one another and lifting God up. You see, it doesn't do us any good if we sing about our love of Jesus on a Christmas day and yet we trample Jesus' teachings or we forget about His love or we don't, we don't allow His love to be evident in our lives. Gaius and Gaius' church seemed to be so dedicated to God that it transformed them. And God's love was evident in every part of their lives. And then he goes into someone else in the community that, uh, that Gaius would have known about, who was another leader who wasn't uh, as faithful to God. In verses 9 to 10, he talks about a man named Diatrophes. Now he said, I've tried to write to you guys before, but there was a man named Diatrophes, and he wouldn't let the letter get through because he doesn't want to support other churches. He doesn't want to support other Christians. And so he's tried to stop the work that we're doing. And so when I come, I'll, I'll let you and the other church leaders know what this guy's been doing because not only is he stopping our, my letter of support to get through to you, he is gossiping and saying malicious stuff about other believers. And he's not even just satisfied with that. He's trying to stop Christians from supporting other Christians. He's trying to stop churches from working alongside other churches. He's trying to support, stop ministries from uh, involving and encouraging other ministries. And in fact, he's, he's threatening to kick people out of the church who are helping these ministries. Now... We live in a time when there's a church kind of on every corner. There's churches everywhere. And even here on the coast, uh, there, there are churches around everywhere. And if I happen to say to you, if, if we had a church leader who was to say to you, look, if you're going to go around supporting other Christians, you're out. You, you're not part of our church anymore. We don't want you here. You go, well, fine. I don't want to be here. I'll go to another church down the road who will let me support other Christians. So it kind of almost sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? that, that a, a quote-unquote Christian leader would say something like this and that it would even be significant to them. Because you go, I don't care about church membership anyway. I'll just go uh, to another church or another denomination right here in our community. But to the people in, in John's time when he's writing this letter, to these people in, in Diatrophus' time when he's threatening to kick them out of the church, kicking them out of the church would have been very significant because they live in a, a culture of honor and shame in that... If they, had, uh, if they were in a place of, of honor and were respected, then they were held high in high esteem in all the community. They were respected and it affected uh, their, their workplace. It affected their, uh, anything they said in the community. It affected how their family were accepted or rejected in the community. And if they were to be kicked out of the church or set aside from the church for time of discipline or punishment, they were shamed in all of the community. Their business uh, would often fail. They, their kids would lose the friends. Uh, they would lose all the social kind of stuff. There would be uh, big consequences for being kicked out of the church. And Diatrophus knew, knew this, and he says, I, look, I'll kick people out of the church if they're going to support the work of other believers. Why? This is because he wants to be first. He wants to be the one that his church and the ministry should be all about him. 
He doesn't want to support any other ministry because he wants to build his own. He wants to build his own church. He wants to build his own ministries. And so he gossips about other churches. He gossips about other believers. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that no one here would ever talk about another church or another group of believers or in other ministries. But I've heard, and you've probably heard as well, that there are Christian people in churches around who talk negatively about other churches, who talk negatively about other Christians. And there are pastors who don't want to let their church know about something that's going on at another church because they're afraid that you might go over there. And if you go over there, you might like something a bit better than you like here, and you don't come back. Now, Diotrephus was like that in that he wanted the people to to be at his place. He wanted the people to, to follow in his ministries, and he wanted things to be about himself more than about God's church, more than about God's kingdom. Now, I've been a pastor for, for many years now, and I first started preaching about uh, 1991, and I started uh, traveling and working in different churches, and I know a lot of different pastors, and a lot of uh, are good men, there's good men, there's good women out there serving in different churches, but I've known some who want to make the church about themselves who want to build their own kingdom, in a sense, who want to build their own congregation, and it's all about that. It's all about me, not about God. I sang in a group in the early 90s, and um, there was a guy named Randy who was the, the head of the group. And when we traveled around, we were all from different churches, and uh, when we say we were going to my church to travel uh, and sing, and I would say something about, when you get to my church, and... Randy would say, oh, sorry, hold on, whose church is it, Brother Mike? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's God's church that I worship in. I'm like, oh, what do I say here? And then someone else would go, all right, well, next week when we're at my church, they go, hold on, hold on, hold on, whose church is it, sister? You know, yeah, yeah, Randy, it's God's church. Um, and it seemed, we, we, we kind of laughed at Randy at the time, but all these years later, it has put in me to remember, this is always, this is God's church. This is not my church in any way. This is not your church. This is God's church. And, and the EV church and Hope You See and all these around, this is God's church. We are all one family. We are meant to work together as one, not work against each other. And the minute we start building up our church to be about us is the minute we might as well lock the doors and close the doors because we're no longer a church. We're no longer the church that's honoring to God. We're no longer a church that's seeking to please God. We're no longer a church that's sharing God's love. We're just sharing us. And I can tell you, man, sharing me is not enough. Sharing you with our community is not enough. I think you guys are amazing. I do. But if our only goal is to get people to come and see you and get to know you and see how amazing you are, then we've missed the point. We've missed the point. Church is never meant to be us, about us. We are meant to be encouraging other leaders. We're meant to be getting behind other ministries, supporting things out there that are honoring to God. Not gossiping about one another, not refusing to help other Christians, but getting alongside one another, supporting one another, even in our own church. It's not about tearing down other leaders or 
or building up our own ministry. It's about working alongside one another. We all have something to give. And then he goes into this great verse about, uh, two verses in 11 and 12, about a man named Demetrius. And he says, oh, this guy Demetrius, he's well spoken of. In fact, everyone speaks well of him. We speak well of him, John and his church. And he says, even truth itself speaks well of him. And so be like him, follow good and not evil. Do what is good because those who do what is good know God. If you are doing what is evil, then you, you haven't seen God. Because God is good and God is love and God is truth. And God's love will shine through your life if you've experienced him. And this man, Demetrius, he says he has a great testimony about him. Everyone speaks well of him. And it says, um, it says in verse 11 12 that even truth itself speaks well of him. Now, this is not saying, as we know, God is truth. But he's not saying that God himself has have given a testimony that Demetrius is doing well. But by the phrase, even truth itself uh, speaks well of him, he is saying that um, this man, Demetrius, is walking in the truth. It's more than just something he talks about. His love for God is not something that he's just passionate about. It is something that has transformed his life. And it's something that he lives out every day. His very life shows that he's walking in the truth. Isn't that a great testimony? Isn't that a great testimony of someone that says, man, he doesn't just know about God. He walks in God's love. He lives out God's love. Is there a greater gift? Is there a better gift you could give at Christmas than for your life to show God's love? That's what it's about, isn't it? It's not about the packages and the presents and the lights and the trees. It's about knowing God's love and showing God's love. This Christmas, I pray that we, we strive to be more than just a church who sings about a baby in a manger. Let's commit to do more than just wish people peace and goodwill on earth. Let's challenge one another to experience God's love and to walk in God's truth so that God can be seen in us and He might bring peace. He will bring hope. He will bring love and eternal life to any who will trust in Him. As we seek to work together to honor Him, as we seek to follow in the truth and allow His love to transform us. I don't know about you, but I think when I think of love, I think of a little old married couple. Now, have you ever seen this couple that you just see them together and you just go, oh, they're just, they're so in love. Now, you may not have heard it the way they were talking to each other in the car on the way over there, or whatever it is, but I don't know, you see them sitting in a cafe or whatever, and you just go, oh, yeah, isn't that beautiful? See, your, your heart just kind of flutters just thinking about it. You think of love and and, and sometimes, and now this is not, this is not a, a negative thing about young or old, but for me, I don't think of a, a young couple who's newly, newly love, in love and they're walking along holding hands and, uh, and, and there's you know, little hearts and flowers and stuff coming up everywhere uh, as they're walking along. Because sometimes you look at those couples and you think, oh, they don't have a clue yet. Yeah. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. That, that's... that's that's infatuation. That's it's a wonderful feeling. It can be a great feeling of love. But, but love that is God, God's love 
that is steadfast and strong and faithful and loyal is a love that's put to the test, isn't it? It's a love that has met some hard times. It's a love that has had to be there for one another when, when they're sick and through some stuff that you don't want to go through, some, some, some stuff that you, you never want to talk about and you want to imagine never happened, but you've had to walk through it together and you've held each other and you've walked along. And that love changes you, doesn't it? That love transforms you to where it's not just you, you're together because you're holding hands. You are together no matter what. And it doesn't matter because time does not break that sort of love. Nothing breaks that sort of love. And a marriage that is set in that sort of godly love is a marriage of commitment, is a marriage of faithfulness, is a marriage of enduring grace and love. And I, I hope that in our, our Christian journey, we're not like those, uh, you know, the new couple that's just walking along and everything looks Christian to the world. We're carrying along our Bibles or our iPads or whatever that is and people can see that we're, we're reading the Bible and people know that we know the Christian songs, we know the Christian uh, Christmas carols, not just the uh, Frosty the Snowman and all the popular songs. Oh, I, love the, I love the Christmas songs, don't you? I've annoyed my kids to death just going on singing Christmas songs. I think they're so happy that Christmas is almost finished because I'm not going, you better watch out, you better not cry. Yeah? It, it works so well if your kids are misbehaving. Hey, hold on. Huh? Yeah, he sees when you're sleeping, he knows. He's making lists and checking it twice. It's good to know these songs and they're fun, aren't they? And we can show people that, hey, we're Christian because we know the, the Christian songs as well. Or we know God's Word. But it's different to, to be like that new young couple or like that Christian who just knows about God and knows a few Christian things. And it's different to be a Christian who God's love has transformed them. Because God's love is with us through the hard times. God's love is faithful when nobody else is. God's grace is so powerful that He knows us completely. All that ugly stuff that you hope no one knows about, God knows you completely and He still loves you so much that He gave His Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. Man, that's amazing grace. That's amazing love. And my prayer is that us as a church, we as a church, will allow God's love to transform us so that we walk in the truth. We don't just know about it. We don't just sing about it. We live it every single day. That's the challenge of the church and that we do it together, supporting each other, encouraging each other so that when people hear about our work, they hear about God working through us. It is He who provides the peace. It is He who provides salvation and hope as we just trust in Him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank You and I praise You for who You are. We thank You, Lord, and praise You for Your love and Your grace that you give to us through Jesus Christ and for opportunities your church to celebrate who you are and to celebrate your love and the grace and the way that you transform our life by your mercy. Lord, we pray. We pray that we as your church honor you. That we as your church look far beyond the walls of this building. Look far beyond the property that you blessed us with and the facilities that you blessed us with and the ministries that you blessed us with and the people that you blessed us with and we seek to serve 
the wider community. We seek to serve you, our great God, as one body of believers, one holy church, with other denominations, with other pastors, with other leaders in our community. Help us, God, to lift you up and allow you to draw people to your amazing love. God, we are your church. Lead us, God, in your truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.